Welcome to CYC Podcast Discussions on Child and Youth Care, episode number 153. I'm Wolfgang Bashaw. As part of a research project I'm doing with child and youth care practitioners who have lived in residential care, I've been thinking, reading, and talking a lot about the idea of care recently. And I've been struck with how little there has that's been written in child and youth care about care. I mean, certainly it's mentioned all the time, but frequently it's in passing. Rarely is it defined in there. There seems to be this assumption that we all know what it means. An assumption that as I speak with people is just not true. (laughs) One of the people who has thought, written, talked about and demonstrated care in CYC for many, many years is Dr. Mark Smith, and he is my guest today. Dr. Smith has spent about 20 years working in residential care before moving into academia, and he's taught and and published widely on topics related to residential care, ideas of love, uh, historical abuse in residential care, and uh, most recently he's a co-author of a 2018 book titled Social Work in a Changing Scotland, and that is where he is speaking with me from today, where Dr. Smith currently teaches at the University of Dundee in Scotland. Welcome, Mark, and thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, Wolfgang. Good to be here. Um, I'm, I'm excited about this conversation because I, I haven't had a conversation on the podcast yet about care, and uh, I think it's an important one, and, and I know that you think care is important as well. And to start, I'd like to recognize that care is actually an action. It, it's something that we do. And as such, I I invite you to tell me about a time when you showed care when working with a, a child or a young person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm interested that you started off by saying that care is an action because I think it's Francis Ricks who says that care is an active verb. And uh, mo- most of the time it is. Um, I think some of the other literature would suggest that care is also a disposition. So the kind of examples that I might think of include both the active element, but also perhaps a dispositional element. Um, I suppose to start with the active bit, much of care is actually you know, not very glamorous. It's about doing things that you'd probably rather not do. I mean, I was thinking, I mean, yeah, I worked in residential care for almost 20 years, but we also foster. And, you know, my most recent experience is actually in a sort of fostering capacity. And the kind of actions that I think are caring actions are things like taking a foster child to football training on a winter's night when you'd probably rather not and hanging around football grounds until he's finished again. so that, I think, is an essential part of caring because it's, you know, it's actually doing a duty, if you like, and care is far more than a duty. There are elements of care that go way beyond duty, but there's a sort of duty or dutiful element to it as well, which is about doing the things you don't want to do or you'd rather not do. Um, the other example I was thinking of was perhaps more dispositional because it didn't involve too much at all by way of action. And it was a lad I used to work with in the secure unit that I used to run in. We had a good relationship. I really liked the kid. 
and I think you know, it was reciprocated in many senses. But we would just walk by each other and give each other a nudge. And most people in the room probably wouldn't even see that. It was just a sort of shoulder-to-shoulder thing, just a brush. But that sort of very small action, I think, signified a sort of, yeah, hey, I like you type of message, which was two-way. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's about caring in the small things, actually. The idea of, you know, how, how you separated here between you know, verb and disposition is intriguing to me because one could certainly take the the foster you know your, your your son to football practice and and resent and be angry and and mm. not have i mean one could actually do it with with a, a negative disposition with anger even <laughs> would you still call it care if if we're if we're caring without that disposition yeah that that's interesting you, possibly not i mean uh, i think henry Mayer and you know, you say, and you're absolutely right to say that there's very little written um, about care from a you know child and youth care perspective. One of the few writers who has in the early days was Henry Mayer, and he talks about the need to almost translate physical care into caring care, or to you know to ensure that physical care is offered in a caring way. And I think that you're absolutely right. You could do the same thing, but it would be experienced very differently because of the kind of sort of what you bring to that, if you like, in terms of your own dispositional you know, demeanour or qualities. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of, you know, I've seen it certainly in practice, that you can get kids up in the morning in very different ways, can't you? You can... You know, the, the outcome is the same, they get out of their bed, but you can do it in a way which actually makes them feel good about it. Um, and that's where the activity becomes transformed, if you like, by the disposition, I suppose. And so what makes it caring, then? Is, is, it, is, is it a disposition? I mean, I mean Henry Mayer talks about over two generations ago that Mayor was writing about <laughs> care and, and you know but apart from you and and Jan Newbury and Laura Steckley and a, and a few others there's not a lot has been written since then yeah. you know, but you know he does he talks about you know things like bodily comfort or um, exactly yeah. you know physical orientation and and um, differentiation if if we were to to sort of try to conceptualize or define it even how 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 would you define care in this sort of professional context i think again to think back to henry mayer's article that there is something about what might be called in more recent literature attunement about getting into sync with kids about you know, getting that common rhythm that Henry talks about. Um, and some of that comes from the sort of ensuring bodily comfort, um, the, you know, differentiation, the, you know, coming up with caring experience which suit that particular kid. Um, and then getting into that groove, if you like, um, between 
adult and child, between carer and caregiver, which actually starts to dissipate the hierarchy within that. So there's something going on within the caring relationship, which I think does actually diminish some of the hierarchies and the boundaries that we think are part of care within a professionalised context, if you like. If you, um, you know, I think that notion of professionalised care in inverted brackets is problematic. And mm. um, we can maybe develop some of that because I think there's something within the caring relationship which has to have a personal component at its heart, actually. There's a personal connection, not just a sort of professional service, if you like. Yeah, this idea of, of affect uh, being being present in our work it, it, it is something that's quite uncomfortable. I, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to push back a little bit on this idea of collapsing, you know, differentials. You know, if we look outside of child and youth care, for example, and look at, at feminist ethics of care, there's a fairly explicit. Um, claim that that there is always going to be a power differential between caregiver yeah. and care receiver and that and that it in some ways it's 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 inscribed into the very nature of caring and the and the sort of an essential component of caring is doing for someone that which they can't do for themselves and there's even some who go so far to say there's no such thing as self-care because if we can do it for ourselves then then it's then it's not care it's it it is something else yeah do you think that or or how how does care move us past that power differential into uh, a more equitable space Uh uh-huh um that's a tough question (laughs) but no i I see exactly where you're coming from because yeah this care ethics literature does acknowledge the of power differential um, and calls us to be aware of that. I think when you get into a sort of rhythm with kids, then whilst the differential is not going to go away, it doesn't necessarily exist at every moment in time. You know, there are times when you can feel on a level with, with kids, and I think kids can feel on a level with you. Um, and there are particular sort of times when, when, when that is easier, I think, and a lot of that happens around activities, for instance. The social pedagogical idea of the common third, which um, is about essentially participation and participating with kids around a common activity and involving them in deciding what that activity might be. So that, that, that kind of, and Jack Phelan talks about it as well in terms of in some of the, the use of activities which takes the caring relationship out of the office environment, if you like, out of that sort of just purely conversational or sort of counselling type relationship towards an everyday relationship where you're engaging over everyday sort of activities. And I think that can take away some of the hierarchy. That, that's not to say that there aren't times when some sort of hierarchy within a relationship is actually important. You know, I think in an upbringing relationship, then the adult in some occasions, in some situations, has more knowledge, which, you know, needs to be imparted for guidance, for whatever else. So it's not about trying to dissipate or diminish 
um, sort of hierarchies altogether. But there are occasions, I think, within caring relationships when they don't necessarily exist in the same way as they might in other situations. I mean, I think back to my practice experience where you, you know, there have people that I've worked with that I've seen practice and they can't get beyond the sort of you need to do this or, you know, this is good for you or, you know, this is what happens at this particular point in the day. Um, the, the, you know, some of them never actually got to the stage where they could relax and enjoy kids' company. Mm. And I think there's something about giving yourself the opportunity to do things that are pleasurable where you can make a bit of a fool of yourself at times with a kid. And I think that's the kind of situation where you get some greater what may be termed ethical symmetry where you're not relating just as a sort of carer to a caregiver or a cared for and that there's something that you're just being in the moment together. Yes, and I think that that's, those are the powerful sort of care experiences, I think. Mm-hmm. The, you, what you're speaking about is the, the attunement or, or, you know, what Henry Mayer and, and, and Mark Kruger called rhythmicity or that yeah. idea. You know, you've, you've written with, with Laura Steckley about um, sort of elements of care within residential care. And you've, you talk about um, interdependence and reciprocity and and dialogue uh, being fallible and, and flexible and I'm and part of what I'm hearing you say here is this idea of of interdependence and that that care is reciprocal um, how how do we get to that place and I, and I like your idea of, of you know relaxing a little bit in our mm-hmm. um you know and to, to go back to you know jack phelan's work sort of the difference between the, the the first or or second year new cyc practitioner to the the practitioner who's been there for for multiple years who yeah, can, I, who can yeah. get into that but how do how do we move at, what does care look like when it's when it's interdependent? I mean, that becomes really intriguing for me. How how is the young person um, caring for me, or, or is that are you saying something different with this idea of interdependence? I think it's probably more of a sort of philosophical statement, if you like, that mm-hmm. we're all interdependent on one another, and I think one of the sort of dead ends in some ways that care has gone down is this notion that we should be about creating independence and you know we train kids for independence and i'm not sure that's you know either possible or desirable i think again that's a quote from henry mayer i think isn't it the the notion that dependency can taste good if you like it can Mm -hmm. feel good um so um i think that you know it's nice to feel dependent sometimes, to be able to sort of chill and actually feel that somebody else is going to take a wee bit care of, of you for a while. So that, that sense of um, dependency or interdependency, and I think that it can work both ways, actually. Um, there are experiences that I've had, and 
perhaps more recent experiences for kids that I used to work with, that I'm still in contact with, um, the relationship turns a wee bit, isn't, doesn't it? It's like your own sort of family relationships. You get to a stage where you're um, dependent on your parents and then really quite suddenly the dynamic of that relationship changes and they become dependent on you. So there are times in caring relationships, even in sort of professional caring relationships, where we're dependent on one another. And, you know, it's, at one level it's a sort of philosophical statement. It's, you know, no man is an island. We're dependent upon one another. Another level, it's just about a recognition that there are times where, you know, even in basic you're trying to keep control of a group of kids. If you're charged to be in control of a group, then it can actually only happen if you've got the goodwill of the kids. It can't really happen through force or through power of personality even. That might be an element in it. But it can only happen if you've got goodwill and if kids are sort of prepared to allow you to exert that kind of authority or control. Yes, indeed. I... I one of the courses I teach is a sort of introductory child and youth care. And, you know, we often get into conversations about, um, you know, in, in one of the lessons I teach, it's sort of about behavior, you know, a continuum of behavior from sort of subtle to, you know, violent. And, you know, and I say, look, I can, I can count on one hand the number of violent physical interactions I've had in my 30 plus years of working with young people and um, and 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 part of that is the choice of where I've I've worked for much of my life And, and part of it is that you know when we develop those relationships when when we have young people you know, recognizing the interdependence. And I think a lot of young people do recognize, you know, consciously or not that, hey, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a job, right? It is quite reciprocal mm-hmm. in that in that sense. And, uh-huh. and, and so yeah. acknowledging some of that as well, because, you know, certainly, you know, I've had more than one person, you know, say that to me, right? Like, you're here because yeah. of me, right? Yeah, yeah. You talk about care being fallible and and flexible, and I, I wonder if you can think of a time when the, the care you gave was was maybe not what you wanted to give, and 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 what you learned from that. Um, I think very regularly, and yeah, you know, I think we can all look back and cringe. Actually, indeed, I know, you know I can't. <laughs> Yeah. Um, any particular example? I, th- I don't know if it can, if anything in particular comes to mind. There are general sort of situations I look back on and think I didn't care enough. Mm. You know, I mm-hmm. didn't actually put enough into that situation. I didn't see it through. Um, I could have done more. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of mm-hmm. prick of the conscience that tells you you didn't care enough. Um, and I think sometimes in those situations, then there's something that stops you caring, which isn't just personal either. You know, there's a, a fear that you will be seen to be unprofessional if you actually 
care in the way you would actually have liked to have cared. Um, so there's a external structural impediment to, to caring as well, I think, mm-hmm. um, which you know stops you doing what you should. But you know there are hundreds of situations, and I think that's probably why I can't think of one. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, where, I, where, yeah. you know, I think, you know, got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember I was uh, invited to um, a young woman's um, graduation. She, and, uh, you know, at the end of the, the ceremony, she, you know, I said, can I give you a hug? And she's like, oh, my God, finally. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, you never <laughs> hugged me, Wolfgang. Like, it, it's like you're frightened of me or something. It's like, I've known you for years and years and you never hugged me, right? And and I, mm. and I, it was such a lesson because I, I absolutely right. I'm I'm not going to hug a lot of the young women that I work with, um, and it's mm-hmm. a very conscious decision. But for yeah. her, it, it really felt like I've been withholding care for years. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, yeah. I thought, oh, oh, okay. How do I? So this idea of it being fallible how how do we how do we work with this idea of of care as 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 fallible as as mistake ridden um, yeah what do we do with i that? mean i think if we're going to take care seriously then we've got to move away this from this managerial notion that there is a best practice in care that there is some code of practice or code of behavior that you need to follow in order to be good carers um and I think we've got to go further and realize that we all get it badly wrong at times. Um, but it's only through, you know, that, that, that's the human element of it as well. And I think that kids realize that you can get it wrong. And it's your response to that, which I think is important as well. I think one of the most powerful things you can say to a kid is, sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> I closed up there. You know, um, yeah, I got that wrong, and yeah, I, I remember one particular sort of situation where I—it wasn't a physical intervention as such, but a sort of—it it was a yeah, sort of tense intervention, and the lad that I was involved with actually stepped backwards and tripped over a bag in the it was in a sports changing room, and he cracked his head against the bench that he used to change it and ended up in um, hospital that night. And it was one of the worst nights I've ever sort of mm-hmm. spent, you know, knowing he was in hospital with concussion. And I went, I got him up the following morning. Um, if it happened nowadays, you just wouldn't even have been into your work the following morning. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, and I thought, geez, what do I expect here? And he just turned around and gave me a big smile. And I said, look, I'm really sorry. And he said, no, it's no problem. <laughs> so that, that kind of thing that if you can say sorry, then I think that, you know, kids realize that you can get it wrong. But I think we've created our external culture where they're almost, you know, expected to believe that we can get it right all the time. That, you know, sometimes when we, you know, just get it wrong, then there's something almost, you know, culpable in that rather than something which is just human. Mm-hmm. It, it sort of a return to what you said at the beginning around this, this, you know, active 
verb versus a disposition or affect, you know, and obviously yeah. the action you did with that young person was not a, you know, a, you know, push, you know, somebody tripping and banging their head and ending in the hospital is not an act of care, obviously. And yet the disposition with which you, you know, went on that, that, that night with him and into the next day, clearly there was care imbued throughout that, that interaction. And it was reciprocal as well. And I think, you know, in some ways, when you say sorry, you're handing over some power as well, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So you're, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you are more recently very, very well known for your work on on love and and the the place of love in in child and youth care. And I I wonder what your thoughts are about the relationship between care and love if there are any for you mm-hmm. um, I mean I think that we have to leave ourselves open to the fact that you know, love can be a part of care and perhaps care you know offered well is actually loving I mean I, I'm not sure that you can differentiate too much between them. I mean, as some of my own background would come from a sort of Christian tradition, Catholic tradition, and you know, from that tradition, the idea of love is you know, something which you're almost called towards, but you could substitute the notion of care. You know, I mean, if you think of some of the biblical sort of. Um, Places and you know, I don't know the Bible particularly well, but you know, do you love me? Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. So this notion that love and care are actually bound up together, you know, to me is something that almost comes as naturally. So when I, you know, when I'm associated with the notion of love, it's probably care that I'm thinking about more. You know, my own wife and kids laugh when the, you know. If you were to say that I was associated with being some sort of expert on love, (laughs) (laughs) in in a a sort of personal or family sort of um, realm, then I'm, you know, not particularly demonstrative or, you know, outwardly loving. (laughs) Um, But the notion of love and care, you know, seem to me to come together, and I'm not sure you can necessarily care in the kind of dispositional way in a kind of meaningful way, if there's not some element of love in it, mm. you know, how how that, you know, what kind of love that is, is perhaps open for debate. But um, I think love has got to be part of care. I, I really like that, you know, this idea of care offered well is is love and that the, the two are, are interdependent, entwined. As we move towards wrapping up, is there anything else that I mean there's so much more <laughs> that we could talk mm-hmm. about um, is there anything else you know before we close our conversation today that you want to say about this idea of of care as it relates to working with children youth families and communities one of the things that we didn't touch on actually what are your thoughts on the omission from the, the term or the 
it's not the town. The town is there, actually. It's there in law. It's there in all sorts of regulation. But it's almost taken for granted, isn't it? And mm-hmm. you know, nobody actually says what they mean by care. And so why do you think there is that omission in child and youth care about what it is or isn't? I, I think perhaps because it is so everyday, so mundane. I think historically it was probably gendered. The, you know, it was women's work, so it wasn't seen as valued or professional. Um, but another level is just something which is difficult to define. And increasingly, when we're in a sort of world where we're looking for outcomes and measurable outcomes and, you know, something that we can actually see as tangible in a care experience, then that is dissonant with the nature of care, which isn't necessarily measurable or even tangible at times. You know, it's that wee imperceptible brushing off shoulders, um, which is very hard to measure, and you can't then take that from or you know, extrapolate that to outcomes. So I think the notion of care as something which has become professionalised and outcome-driven is really problematic, actually, because it, I think it misrepresents what care is. So I think the fact that... And I, and I think the other thing is, and some of the care ethics literature picks up on this, but so does some of the philosophical stuff, that I think care is actually messy and ambiguous you know that's its nature you know it can be driven by a range of emotions some of which are very healthy some potentially less so um but it's also messy just by its very nature it does involve you know physical contact sometimes it involves you know, picking things up the wrong way on either side it's it's just not something that lends itself to measurable outcomes and yet we've got a whole sort of infrastructure of managerial regulatory bodies who want us to try and measure care. I'm reminded of the, I don't know if you 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 will know it, but the film Dead Poet Society Mm -hmm. where you've got um, Robin Williams sort of talking to the class and saying I think essentially he was saying a similar thing about education, that you can't actually measure it, you can't dance to it. <laughs> um, so the, the the notion that we try and measure what is immeasurable, so we look for outcomes where the pathway to outcomes is not something which is linear or can be. And so I think that's one of the reasons that we you know, don't try and define care any more than we do. Mm-hmm. Because it's difficult. <laughs> it, it is difficult. I, I'm reminded I, I, last semester, for the first time, I introduced a, a class on, on care into one of the courses that I teach. And at the end of the semester, I was going over the anonymous student responses that sort of mm. that are filtered through the, the college. And um, one of the the comments was uh, from one of the students was that sometimes the class focused on things not related to working with children and youth, and the young person <laughs> in particular cited that class on care that it it wasn't relevant <laughs> to working with children and youth. And I I was just I I I mean I'm, I'm sharing it now. I don't think I've ever shared my student feedback on on the podcast because <laughs> I was I, I was 
I was just amazed, right? And and yeah. thought, well, what what haven't I done? What haven't I um, shown about the 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 importance of care? And and I wonder, you know, as as we you know, as you brought up that last point, I, I thought, okay, well, what what does it do when I start our conversation about care, saying care is an action, and sh- tell me an action? What Am I perpetuating this idea of care as some sort of measurable um, and therefore managerial uh, approach to working with children and youth? And and that's you know certainly something I'm going to take away from this conversation to reflect upon. It is, I say, it's, it's not to say it isn't an action. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it, but it's not the the whole part. I had a similar experience though. Actually, I, I remember I, I got to this you know the notion of trying to explore what care was from reading a book, great book actually, by Pat Petrie and Peter Moss, or Peter Moss and Pat Petrie, called From Children's Services to Children's Spaces. And that's, they introduced me really to um, some of the feminist care ethics stuff. So I, I was starting to read around this, and I was teaching the Masters in Residential Child Care at Strathclyde at the time. And I remember I sort of suggested that there was maybe some philosophical element to care, and one of the students who was an old-time headmaster of a school said, and, and now you're going too far this time, Mark. <laughs> this notion of maybe some philosophical dimension to, to the kind of work that he did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah I, I, I've certainly read some deeply, deeply philosophical <laughs> uh, work on care this, this, uh, over the past year or so. So, uh, it, it, yeah. it's certainly out there and, and, you know, and I, I think it speaks to some of our, in, you know, in child and youth care, some of our, our, our reticence to theorize, um, explicitly. I mean, I think our theory is always with us in our practice and, um, and I think practitioners are constantly theorizing whether or not they use that academic language or not. Yet that, yeah. that sort of deep thinking about care and what does it mean and and how how are we interdependent in the care relationship and and how is it dialogical and fallible and 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 flexible and reciprocal and all of that and I and I think it is necessary and and I so I I, I want to thank you for for all your writing Sorry, on this I... all your thinking on <laughs> this and for the conversation today, Mark. Well, one one last thing. Yes, please. Yeah, and, and it's just um, sort of struck me that I think part of the difficulty in describing care as well is that we talk about different types of knowledge. And again, from the Moss and Petrie book, they, they talk about technical, rational knowledge versus practical, moral knowledge. And I think what we do is we try and find technical, rational ways to do care we try and find care plans, we try and find scientific or psychological interventions, whereas we're actually coming at this at the wrong angle because care is a practical moral task. It involves getting your hands dirty, it involves some sort of motivation which is you know, not just about doing the job, there's something that is a bit more personal, a bit deeper to the sort of moral dimension which, which calls us to care. You know, some of the philosophers talk about us being drawn to the face of the other, Emmanuel Levinas. Others talk about sort of, um, a natural disposition to care, which is sympathy or benevolence or whatever else. So, that, And I think those are moral dimensions of care. 
and I think the sort of practical dimension of care is the, you know taking kids out on a cold winter's night. It's about you know the active stuff, um, and yet we I think those who don't know care want to conceive of it as something which you can take off a shelf and do a few worksheets, or you can counsel kids or whatever else. I think counselling is one of the worst things, and I hope you're not a counsellor, Will. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just teach it. (laughs) (laughs) But but the notion, because I think that does actually introduce, potentially introduce a um, sort of hierarchy, a sort of expert, you know, relationship, whereas just being with kids is, you know, I think, you know, more reciprocal, if you like. Yeah, I, I, um, I, yeah, that's a lovely, lovely, lovely way to to stop. I, you know, and I think that finding the the reciprocal in in our work is necessary. So thank you very much, Mark, and I, uh, I look forward to our next conversation, be it on air or in person. Okay, thank you, Wolfgang. Good night. Good night. Good night.